Awesome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I appreciate my guests. I appreciate my audience. We have an amazing episode today. I mean, like sometimes you just have to have fun. It's one of those fun episodes. But before we get into it, if you want to keep seeing amazing content, you got to do two things, really three things. Connect with me, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, where all podcasts is heard. Subscribe to the YouTube page below at CV Space K and connect with me on Instagram. I brought back my friend, my brother. He's amazing. He has a movie, uh, TV Lovers Unite. He has an amazing just a podcast, amazing film review, and he's consistent. Like, this is him. Uh, he really should own Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, <laughs> he knows. If I had stock, I would. If I could actually yeah. afford it, I would definitely buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but I invited John back on the show because I need a subject matter professional to cover a very important subject. And today's subject is <laughs> the review of the best 90s movie of all time, Home Alone 2. With that being said, how you doing today, John? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back over here talking to you about Home Alone 2. It's been a while since we've done this, so I'm excited to dive into some Home Alone, talk about Kelly Culkin. Just have a good, fun time over here doing this with you. Perfect, perfect. I appreciate you, brother. Look, before we get into it, what made this movie so good, we have to start with the casting. First of all, child star and face of the 90s, Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci as Harry, <laughs> Daniel Stern as Mar, John Hurd at, as Peter, <laughs> Brenda Fricker as the Pigeon Lady, Tim Curry as Concierge <laughs> 1, Rob Schneider as Concierge 3, Catherine O'Hara as Kate. It doesn't get better than that when it comes no, to the it 90s. Doesn't. What do you think about, you know, cast, you talk about cast chemistry, you talk about team chemistry. I think to me, it felt like a real family, especially a family in the 90s, right? Like when you think about 90s nostalgia, this is the epitome of that. What are your thoughts on that? It definitely feels like the 90s. We didn't have no checkpoints. We didn't have to worry about no virus. We didn't have to worry about certain aspects of things that affected us in 2001. It was just one of those things. You just go through security, let them scan you for a little bit, and then you move on. And this is exactly what this is and everything in the 90s, and especially when you have Kevin McAllister once again trying to get on the same airplane as their parents, and then they lose him at the airport, and then what winds up happening, of course... You wind up seeing, uh, he thought a person that looked like his dad that wasn't his dad right? and everything. And that's how he gets into New York. But the casting, like you mentioned, is just fantastic, to be honest with you. When you look at Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, those two had great chemistry in the first film. Yes. And everything. also, too, fun fact, Joe Pesci was not allowed to cuss on the set of Home Alone 1. So when you see him, like that... That was him trying not to cuss. Right. So he was just trying to do like gibberish <laughs> so he wouldn't cuss. Hey, what's so funny though, even though he tried not to, if you pay attention to that film, he said some words. You'd be like, well, you know, you go back into the door like, what? <laughs> Joe Pesci should have won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor or Best Supporting Villain. Let's say that. Like, he was fantastic. Um, the Sticky Bandits, first of all, you know, they were the Wet Bandits in the first, and then they became the Sticky Bandits. Ultimate classic. I'm going to play a scene here just so we can just have it in our memory banks of what and how great this film really was. Yes. 
shoot you. Knocking off a youngster ain't gonna mean all that much to me. Understand? But since we're in a hurry, I'll make a deal with you. You throw down your camera, and we won't hurt you. You'll never hear from us again. Okay? Roman? <laughs> from a roof you know like it, it it was slapstick comedy it was it was physical humor at its height at the same time it wasn't violent you know like i, I know. think what's missing um is that there there's been a lost art of conveying truth without to me being so adult about it like now everything has to be like if, if somebody you know gets physically hit you want to feel the impact they want to make it as gory as possible i mean literally we all know this is fake a brick thrown at that elevation would have destroyed him right but literally he is throwing a, a kid is throwing a brick from a rooftop and just destroys marv right and just right. constantly keeps hitting marv in the same <laughs> spot what are your thoughts on that scene Okay, so here's the thing with that scene, though. To be honest with you, I always laugh my butt off every single time I see that scene, to be honest with you, which is why when he goes, okay, and I'm thinking to myself, it's not going to end well for Marv. It's just not mm. going to. And then also, too, remember, Marv is also telling Harry, he goes, look, I don't think we should do this. Remember last time? He goes, really? He doesn't have anything with him. He's, mm. he's, un he's unharmed. What can he do? All of a sudden, he hits the bricks. <laughs> And then, but yeah, this is actually slapstick comedy at its best, to be honest with you. Um, this is actually before the days of impact of how hard somebody could hit and things like that. To me, you can have comedy without having that. It depends mm -hmm. on the theme and the drive that you're going for. Christopher Columbus knew how to go about doing comedy in the right way, thanks to John Hughes. You can definitely tell that John with John Hughes and stuff like that, it has that kind of vibe and that kind of flavor that John Hughes would bring to the table and everything too. So Christopher Columbus actually knows how to put together a great package for us to laugh at. And, you know, we're not supposed to be laughing at this, but at the same time we are because of the fact that the kid is throwing a brick at Marv mm. and then Marv is getting hit in the same spot again, over and over again. <laughs> and it's just, it's great. It's just, it's, it's my childhood to be honest with you. No, same here. I, I, every time I see it, I become six years old again. What's crazy <laughs> is that the, is it the first? Yeah. So the first Home Alone came out in 92. 92. Yep. Right. November 92. And I was three. And I think this one came out in 94, 94, 95. And like, it didn't, it was one of the first times where like sequels became, and it was kind of in that era, like Lethal Weapon 1, 2, like, like it was a buildup of franchises. And Home Alone started something that unfortunately was ruined, but it started storytelling and how you could mix 
kid humor with adult humor. So it was something that your parents could take the kids to and would be entertained as well. And at the same time, the parents wouldn't have to worry about certain adult, you know, themes with kids. Right. It was a perfect blend of, I would say, uh, uh, satire and, you know, dysfunctional family drama. <laughs> you know, like it, it was perfect. I always wonder, what did Peter McAllister do? Like, for well, a movie because he had he had a house on Lake Forest. He had he, he took all 14 of his relatives to Paris the first time and then, you know, to Miami the second time. You know, like, what did Peter McAllister do? <laughs> well, as a Sopranos fan and as yeah. someone that actually uh, he was actually on the Sopranos as a guest star. I was like, yeah. I'm just going to say he worked for the Sopranos back in those days in Chicago. <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, that house is huge. Think of the power bill that they would have to have with the Christmas lights and everything. And they kept that thing lit even when they weren't there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? <laughs> you guys are not going to conserve power? I know. I know. That, all I could think of is the electricity bill. And then also, dude, what happens if you have like electrical fire? <laughs> that's, what, that's another thing I was thinking of. As I got older, but you know. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts? So, I talk about the casting. What I love about, and I might show it, is when he gets to the hotel. First of all, everybody's in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally, like it just you know, and you see Rob Schneider, right? Like as right. as a as a bellhop, as a concierge. Uh, and you know, no lines. I don't remember I, Rob's. Oh, he said tip. He's like, you right. know, you know, like that, but no real line. But his his presence in the film was so captivating. What do you think about the just the extras in this film? To be honest with you, seeing Rob Schneider in that in this film, it's just great. It's fitting to actually have Rob in there. He wasn't a seasoned actor like he is now. To be honest with you, he was actually in SNL for a couple of skits, especially with the uh, cop. He was actually the copy room guy and everything. I don't know if you remember that skit or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then just seeing Rob show up out of nowhere and then him, I'm like, ooh, Rob Schneider's SNL because I was a huge SNL fan as a kid. And then, of course, you see Tim Curry as the concierge. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, they went all out to get Tim Curry to play a little short part and everything. And I thought that Tim Curry's presence was definitely needed because you needed that. To be honest with you, you needed someone that had that edge to him. Basically, where he's not brown noser and goody two shoes. And he plays that to a T on this, to be honest with you, because, you know, at first, you know, he's not quite, he's has, you know, some questionable things with McAllister, with Kevin. Right. And then the first cast, uh, the person who's actually doing the credit card is not even questioning him. Right. But that, which is a mistake. <laughs> that would never happen. He checks into a hotel, a 10 year, uh, what is it, eight or 10, checks into a hotel with no ID and just a credit card. <laughs> All right, that would never fly today. No, says, my dad would be down here in a minute. He had a business meeting. He just wanted me to check in, and they just let him get a room. You know, like, and this is also the day and age of credit cards, where basically you don't do the credit card swiping; they do it for you. Yep. So therefore, there's no way to actually 
check anything out until like later on if the card's been stolen or anything. The process of stolen credit cards at that time was a very slow process. Then also too, look at us today now with technology, with smartphones and how quick access is. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been able to get away with that today, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just like to go when he's like, have a lovely day. <laughs> so I'm going to play one more, play <laughs> one more clip and then we're going to talk about what went wrong uh, with this uh, uh, franchise, because the reality is a lot of stuff went wrong. Mm-hmm. Home Alone should have been, it should have continued. I would like, and we're going to get into this, but I'm going to play one more clip and then we'll get okay. into what went wrong with the franchise history. I'd like to offer you a complimentary suite while you're here. It's a penthouse with a view of the park. I think you'll find it satisfactory. It was recently vacated by the Countess of Worcester. What kind of hotel allows a child to check in alone? The boy had a very convincing story. <laughs> idiot, you have work in here. The finest to New York, sir. I made the discovery. You scared him away. It's Christmas Eve, and because of you, our child is lost in one of the biggest cities in the world. Hey, hey, I know at the end, <laughs> but like, right, he was like, hey, yes, that movie went like left. <laughs> He's like, what type of idiots? He was like, the finest in New York. In New York. <laughs> what? That's actually my favorite line about how he just, you know, he seems all proud of himself at first. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm the one who made the discovery. And then he goes, what kind of people run this hotel? Uh, what kind of stupid idiots? The finest in New York, man. <laughs> like he's all... Hey, Tim Curry, the concierge, I, I don't think that whole scene, and I, we'll talk about what went wrong. You had, to me, the greatest buildup and get it, you know, Macaulay Culkin owned the 90s, right? We think about that. We think about uh, Richie Rich. My girl, uh, yeah, my girl, yeah. Like he just had a just a, he was just reeling off movies. He was just like the kid in the nineties, and they tried to reboot it with a third one. Um, and this is where I think it went wrong. It's not who they got to play the little kid. It was the idea that a little kid could defeat spies, like foreign spies, right? Like right. the the to me, it was just too much of a striking. Contrast and a paradox. Defeating a bunch of street, you know, bandits, uh, thugs, whatever. That's one thing. Right. Because it was basically it was they didn't have the intelligence to figure out this little kid actually knew the house that he lived in. Defeat spies. You know, like that's just a whole new gamut. Right. And then it continued and got worse. What are your thoughts on the basically debacle of this franchise? Okay, so to be honest with you, I haven't seen the other ones after three. After three, I was like, I was pretty much done. But here's the thing. I remember my I I remember going up to Boston and renting it from Blockbuster. And I just felt like the there was something missing in the film. Like Mm -hmm. it did like it went the pacing of the film went a little too fast. And I'm and as a kid, I'm thinking to myself, this is before I started a YouTube channel, before I start started analyzing film. I'm like, there's something missing. I think someone might have recorded something. And you know, you know, back in the day mm-hmm. when we used to get VHS tapes and record, 
Right. And I'm thinking in my in my brain, I'm thinking this. I'm like, someone had to have probably recorded and cut something out of this video because there's there's uh, this thing is rushed. To be mm. honest with you, so what I did was I went back to Blockbuster, got the, another copy because I was thinking someone cut some other footage that would have actually added up to more runtime. And it comes to find out that's actually the right process and the right runtime. Wow! And I just felt like the pacing of the film was way too fast. It wasn't that slow build like we got with uh, Marv and Harry. There wasn't that slow buildup of. I'm leaving my kid behind on an accident anymore. Now it's deliberal that they're leaving their kid because they have lives. They are going to the jobs. Then also right. too, the other unbelievable thing is the fact that you have, like you mentioned before with the spies, but they're also uh, uh, basically terrorists though, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this film is sloppy. I didn't laugh one single time watching mm-hmm. it. The part with the parrot on the car made me cringe. And I'm like, okay, you didn't need to have a parrot as a pet to keep yeah. this kid company and to become a character. I'm like, uh-uh. This, I'm like, nope. Roger Godnell. Yeah, it was terrible. It was, um, I'm actually looking at, yeah, I remember one of the villains, Olek Krupa. I think I saw him in a James Bond film before. Um yeah, it was it was too it was too complex for a kids movie, and it yet was. you simplified it. it. And what's crazy is that the actual to me the theme of and this is gonna sound funny, Agent Cody Banks or Spy Kids fit better. I mean, like it was a better framework which could have been used for Home Alone three, but it was just to me I don't know it was a drop down. And then the rest of the Home Alones I, I just I didn't want to ruin it any further. And I didn't, I didn't watch because I just don't think it's worth watching. Right. The execution of the third film alone made me not even care about checking out any more. Mm-hmm. And also, too, straight to DVD or uh, VHS DVDs at that time were not good. Sometimes right. you might get a golden gem out of the bunch or whatever, but you don't get it. And even today, you don't get a lot, but you might find something that's actually special. There is nothing special about the rest of these Home Alone <laughs> movies. Macaulay Culkin will always be Kevin McAllister. He will. And this is why I bring it back. They need to reboot it. And I've been thinking about this. Reboot the film and Kevin and Macaulay Culkin's in it. He could be the neighbor. You could almost do a reboot like an origin story, like the first one. And then the first, remember the creepy neighbor with the shovel? Yeah. You know, like he could play the neighbor. He could play, you know, with the shovel that ends up saving the day at the end. You can get you can put anybody in. You can get Kevin Hart. You can put anybody for the parents, right? You just have to get a kid that is funny enough to carry the movie, and then you have to get basically villains who you want to who are just hilarious in and of them by themselves, right? Right. Uh, I would love to see the Home Alone franchise redone with the right actors. Right, and really like invested heavily in not a straight, not a Netflix movie. They can go to Disney Plus. I don't want my or HBO Max. Well, but considering the fact that 20, Fox 20th Century Fox owned the rights for you know for Home Alone, they can actually do put it on Disney Plus because that's where the first three films are at is on wow. Disney Plus. So you know, yeah, they could definitely do it that way. To be honest with you. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on, go on ahead. No, you're <laughs> good. You're good. It's just to me the the, the key to it is going to be casting. 
Um, who I thought, and now just time has passed, would be funny was a little kid from Role Models. But that was like 15 years ago. And yeah. I'm like, nah, don't try to pass him off as a kid now. It wouldn't work. But no. that, I think there is, there's a market for it. It You would just have to find the right parents, the right villain, and the right scenario, right? But I think right. you can reintroduce the film to a younger generation that really doesn't know Home Alone. They, they didn't grow up with, you know, Colin McCogan as the number one star in Hollywood, you know? Right. Um, and to me, you would create a new dialogue around just family genre humor. Right. And you see, I I think not only that, I think you need to have that childlike innocence like Kevin had. Yeah. Because, yeah, don't get me wrong. He was a brat and stuff like that. But at the same time, he could also play innocent, though, too. Yes. So if you can play the innocence and also play the brat at the same time and have that balance, you can have a another Kevin McAllister. And then going off of what you said about McKelly Hogan, possibly, you know, what you were saying about the shovel, uh, that would actually, to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind that. And instead of him being the parent, because it was like, well, why don't he just be the parent? And he winds up forgetting his kid. I'm like, I'm tired of rehash of, and this person has this uh, kid. This person's actually a cousin to this character. Right. And stuff like that. Having him as the guy who does the shovel and stuff like that is perfect. You allow the film to be on its own rather than let it reflect on um, the old man, the Kevin McAllister character. You let those character, these new characters take the mantle for what Kevin McAllister's done. And you also play pay homage to Kevin McAllister's by having him as the guy with the shovel. So it's, it's a win-win situation on that. And then I can see Kevin Hart playing Joe Pesci's role. To I could too. Too. Yeah. I can see Kevin or, or Kevin Hart being a parent. You could almost bring Joe Pesci back. Like, yeah. like as, as like a, just a, old, just like he's in like, you know what I'm saying? Like a retirement village, you know? but like he's just, you know, him and Mar. I mean, you could reintroduce the cast back so vividly. You would just have to have a great script. Um, You know who could do it? Uh, The director for Black Widow. I could see that. I I wouldn't mind seeing that, to be honest with you. Uh, You actually have my wheels turning right now because now I'm picturing Daniel Stern, Joe Pesci in a retirement home. And then on the news you actually see the home being raided by cops because this kid is actually home alone. And mm. I could just see Joe Pesci go, hey, Marv, doesn't this look familiar? And then Marv just wakes up because he goes, what looks familiar? This. Just, just just like having nightmares from the kid throwing the bricks and everything else at him. But I think it fits. It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. I I would look, honestly, I would look forward to seeing that. I would look forward to having that on the big screen. Uh, Last question. Is what is missing from today's film? So, like, there's a magic, and, and when I, before I ask that, uh, like, like to me, the Avengers have it. Captain right. America had it. You know, Black Panther, Black Widow. It's a certain magic, right? Like, almost like a, you had to be there. But it's only, like, it's so rare now. What's missing from today's films? I feel like they want to mix 
the violence with the hard impact, like you mentioned, but also to try and keep true to the comical aspect. But here's the thing. I think people forget how to just have a good time making a movie versus putting all this time into something that just doesn't really matter. Who cares about the impact of a can hitting someone's head and stuff like that? This is a kid's movie. If they make it simplistic to the point, it's not rocket science. All you have to do is get the right kids, get the right people involved, and you have your movie. The thing with the Marvel Avengers movies and stuff like that, they know how to market the action without having to put in the impact of a punch. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. It's just what's necessary for the character, if that character needs to have it or not. But they also know how to turn up the dial enough to where it slows us down a little bit, let us build on the characters a little bit, and then have that comical aspect for the the one-liners to come in to have something come in and if they have that balance of figuring out that balance and that formula it could work but having the right director attached to it having someone that knows how to have fun on the set versus taking everything seriously and everything is another factor and also too disney has changed dramatically now over the years when you actually look at everything between lawsuits for example with Um, with that going on and stuff like that, Disney has lost its touch when it comes down to humor in a sense. Yeah, they got it right for the Marvel Avengers and stuff like that. But even if you watch some Pixar movies, it's lost it's, its true. fun. They it it's has lost, lost its fun. fun. Right. Like it has I watched and here's the thing: I watched Luca and I was expecting a fun movie out of it. And it had it was very dark. It was very mm-hmm. serious in tone. It didn't feel like a Pixar movie. And I want to have that fun. I want to have that energy back again as a kid watching a Disney movie. And it's hard to do that when you're not having the right formulas, the right balance, the right stuff to actually have it. And I'm supposed to feel entertained when watching a Disney movie and stuff. And if I'm not entertained, if it's not for me. I, I, not, don't, here's the thing. Not every movie is going to be for everybody. Right, right. Anything like that. And movie is subjective. But here's the thing. If I'm not feeling any kind of impact from laughing, if I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at my watch, there's something wrong with the film. It's true. And that's how I felt with Luca when I was watching that. I feel like Disney has lost its way when it comes down to the anim- animation style. Don't get me wrong. I love Soul. Soul is probably one of my favorite Disney Pixar films. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a little bit more complex for a kid to pick up on. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's an adult movie. <laughs> right. With that being said, I totally agree. Um, we have to get back to just having fun. I don't think every, I, I, I think everything should have deeper messaging, but everything shouldn't be deep. Everything. Sometimes you should just go to the movies, laugh and be like, man, I really enjoyed that. And I didn't have to right. make a decision. Like it was just fun. Right. John, where can they connect with you, man? Tell them about your podcast where the people can listen to you. Okay, so guys, if you want to hear more of me and everything, just go on ahead head over to Movie Lovers Unite on YouTube. And of course, if you want to get an audio-only podcast of our episode and what we do here at Movie Lovers Unite, you can get that where you guys get your podcast from. Another thing, too, is there's actually this nice little app that I discovered called Good Pods. Good Pods is a great way if you're a podcaster. And matter of fact, they're not paying me to say this. This is me. <laughs> experiencing the app but <laughs> i'm just letting you guys know this good pods is a great way to rate your podcast rate vernon's podcast rate my podcast you can go into individual 
uh, episodes and rate each episode. And then you can comment back. The podcaster can comment back to your comment. And, and it builds a community within uh, the podcasting community. Forget about Apple Podcasts. Easy pod, uh, good, uh, the good pods is actually the way, best way to go, especially when it goes to the ranking systems and stuff like that and leaving five-star reviews and people interacting with each other. That is the This is the podcasting app for you if you're a podcaster or if you just love listening uh, to podcasts. Check out Good Pods. I recommend it. Another thing, too, is if you guys want to go on ahead and if you want to go on ahead and donate to the page or to me or anything like that, just go to go, uh, gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast. And that's where you guys can donate maybe five to $10. But I understand the pandemic has gotten holes in people's pockets, but that's okay. Simple smash that like button, smash that share button. And that goes a long way as well. Then of course, for all your, all your intimate needs and wants, just go on ahead and head over to movieloversunite.com. And then of course you can follow me on Facebook underneath movie lovers, TV lovers unite over there. And underneath the same name brand on Instagram and on Pinterest and then, of course, on Stereo, we do some shows there from time to time, but we haven't done any in a while on Stereo, but we do them. Uh, then, of course, that's going to be under Movie Lovers Unit and also on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit over there. If you're a sponsor and would like to get in touch with us, just go on ahead and head over to MovieLoversUnite at gmail.com. And before I uh, bring it back over to Cody, I just want to mention this. Tamara and I from Two Blur Girls, I'm teaming up with Two Blur Girls right now to do a Cincy is for donations towards the St. Jude's hospital and everything. So we're actually doing that and everything. It goes all the way until the end of August 31st. Our goal is two grand. So 25% of the proceeds go towards St. Jude's for kids with cancer. So go on ahead, donate if you guys want to. And that's everywhere that you need to know about us or stuff like that. So that's it. Awesome. Y'all connect with John, follow his podcast on all the platforms. Definitely support his cause. St. Jude is amazing. They do amazing work. They definitely deserve all the funds and more. Until next time, guys, I appreciate my audience. If you want to keep seeing amazing influencers and amazing content and just have fun in some episodes like we did today, connect with me on Instagram at CVMK33, YouTube at CV Space K, or you can support a brother below at the supporter brother on the cash app. <laughs> uh, but until next time, guys, I appreciate you. Thanks.